0: Hello, my wise friends, or my longing to be wise friends. Wherever you stand on that, welcome to the Otherwise Podcast. So glad that you're listening. I'm Casey. I'm your host. I'm an author myself, podcaster, pastor, spiritual director, and so glad that you're um, you're listening today. Today's episode is a conversation that I had at something called the Festival of Faith and Writing in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and. At that conference, it's a, it's an every two-year, it's every other year gathering. No, it's every two years. It's infrequent. You can find it on their website. Um, the, it's just an amazing gathering of writers, uh, Christian writers, and novelists, and who are also Christians, a lot of them. Uh, but it's the combination of where faith and writing intersect. And it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a part of. So um, my conversation today is with Aaron Straza. And Aaron and I uh, met up at the festival and we ended up, uh, after moving to several different locations, finding our way to a conference room and using one microphone. So you're going to hear that the sound is all one uh, track. That may not make any sense to you, but you'll, you'll know it when you hear it, uh, but, it's a, but it was so good. I wanted to make sure that you all got to hear it. Erin uh, is an author and does nonprofit consulting. Her most recent book is called Comfort Detox, and I would I would really suggest that you go and check that out. She also works with an organization called Christ and Pop Culture and talks about the intersection of faith and popular culture. She runs a and hosts a podcast called Persuasion. Uh, she does a lot of different things. She's written a lot. You can find all of this on her uh, website, which I will put that in the notes. Uh, so give a listen to this conversation, and if you like it, and if you think somebody else needs to hear it, please feel free to share that with them. And if you're not subscribed already, if you're still listening streaming on the website, that's great. But if you have the opportunity to subscribe, I would encourage you to do that, whether that's through uh, iTunes or Google Play, um, that would really help us. So that's enough of an intro. Let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today's conversation with my friend Aaron Straza. Karen, we've made our way here through a few different uh, different tunnels and labyrinths of the Festival of <laughs> Faith and Writing at Calvin College.
1: We're getting to know the lay of the land.
0: Yeah, I know where um, I know where a conference room is now. I know where, yeah, yeah, that's all worked out spots. really well. All the hot spots, all the quiet spots. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, thanks for agreeing to do this.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to talk with you. This thanks is such a
0: cool environment to be we were just talking about how there's a there's something inspiring when you get around people who are doing what you like to do
1: Oh, there is so much creativity all in one spot there's just this um, almost like an undercurrent a vibe of I don't know creativity and ideas and you feel very connected to people it's almost like um, it's almost like you can feel like there's this foundation you already know these things that Everyone here loves books, loves writing, loves ideas. And it's almost like you can start from there and easily build off of that. So it's wonderful. There's something
0: about, you know, you talk to people who are creators of any kind, Mm -hmm. whether it's food or art or whatever, and the the thought of going to a place with people who do what you do, you know, there's always the competitiveness. Yeah, There's always that, that. Yeah, But there's this feeling of... Normalcy. Mm-hmm. Like everybody I'm around feels the same way. Everybody I'm around gets about halfway through manuscript and goes, I don't, I can't do this. I'm awful. And I'm never doing this again. So true. <laughs> and I'm going to go and, Forget that I told anybody I was writing a book because I just. And so it's good to be around some people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I pushed through yeah. it and they're on to two and three. And, and then you also get to see your your superstars. We got to hear from Kwame Alexander oh, today, goodness. who's selling his books at a farmer's market. And then, oh, and by the way, I won the Newberry. <laughs> no, okay. Oh my okay. God. All that right. part
1: was quite funny, but to hear other people and to hear how they've gone through the process, some of them become the superstars, yeah. and a lot of us just get to work on our craft because we love it, and uh, as I've been preparing to come um, to the conference, all I kept thinking was, oh, I get to be around my people. I can, I can be around people who are thinking like me and love books like I do, and I would share little snippets with my husband, Mike, and he would say... Oh, book nerd talk! It's like yes, <laughs> and we love it. This is so great. It's yes, this is book nerd. talk
0: We have our own language. Uh, we
1: do, we That's do, right. and and it is something that is unique to writers or creative people. Anyone who's working with ideas, um, it is unique. And yet, I think you're right. It, no matter what creative field you're in, if you are a chef or maybe someone who's um, who works in. Baking or pastries or something like that. There's this creative element that only people in your field can get that and understand it, and so it can feel isolating. So. Even though it seems like this is a huge conference because there are a lot of people here, it really is kind of small. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a small group of people who want to um, work with words and write words and pull them together in some way. Yeah. so it, it's kind of nice to feel not alone.
0: Yeah, and I think it's every field. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to say creative, and what we mean is typically the the arts.
1: Yes, yeah, it's true.
0: There's so much making that happens in. Uh, engineering. My wife works for an engineering mm-hmm. firm. I mean, you make bridges. That's a and a high risk. I mean, that's a yes. high investment, high risk kind of thing. But there's a there's probably some creativity in there because oh, yeah. not everything goes the way that you sh- think it should, and then you have yep. to kind of do some working around. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. so we're in the kind of. Mecca of the Midwest, mm-hmm. at least at least as far as churches are concerned. <laughs> yeah. and Grand Rapids is sort of where everything um, comes together, and you live right now in Bloomington,
1: Bloomington, Illinois. Yes,
0: Bloomington Normal, the true twin cities.
1: That's right. Let's
0: not let's not split hairs <laughs> here. Um,
1: the, the mega cities, the of mega cities Normal, of Bloomington, Central Normal, Illinois.
0: Which yeah. I was joking. There was a time in my life where going to the big city involved a trip to Walmart in Bloomington. <laughs> in Bloomington yes,
1: yeah. There, there's a lot happening there.
0: Veterans Parkway. <laughs> yeah. You bet. Oh man, how did you get to Bloomington?
1: I uh, Moved there with my family when I was in junior high. So. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So long, long time. But what's so funny about that is I kind of feel like there's. Um, before Bloomington life and then after Bloomington life because now I've lived in Bloomington normal for all these years. Uh, But before that, I moved around a lot. My dad was in the Navy, so I sort of feel like there's this before and after where I'm not I don't feel from Bloomington because I lived so many places and yet when people say oh so you grew up there and I'm thinking no but then really yeah I did but I don't feel like Bloomington is where I started because we moved so much but um, I've been there obviously longer than I've lived anywhere yeah Um, and uh, my husband Mike and I we have several times thought, Oh, we'll we'll be moving and then that doesn't happen and and we're still there (laughs) and our families are there, so that's wonderful because we're close and it makes it easy to do family gatherings and holidays and to visit and to hang out.
0: Would you say there's a I didn't plan on asking you this. Would you would you say there's a kind of midwestern kind of faith? Ooh. Because I have plenty of friends who've moved to Chicago area from yeah. The West Coast. Mm -hmm. And first I watched them the first February just question their own existence and sanity, (laughs) question whether God loves them because of what he's doing to them at that very moment. (laughs)
1: Because they've moved to the Midwest. Right,
0: right. Because all of a sudden, like, why does my face hurt? My face shouldn't (laughs) hurt because (laughs) it's February. Uh, Uh, But not just the weather. There's a, because I I thought it was funny you said that about there's a difference between uh, in being from Bloomington.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You you almost identify with the spirituality of a place. Sure. Do you think there's a Midwestern kind of faith? Is it is it a is it a class or is it more of a
1: That is such a good question and something I hadn't thought about before, but now that you are talking about it, I feel like I can pull some things together that yeah, I do think depending on where you live or where you feel like you're from, where you're rooted from, that can affect your faith and in bloomington normal central illinois um it's farmland and um so much in that area is um simplicity and um uh, maybe trusting in terms of well let's 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 see how god provides when you think about um, planting and harvest and waiting and and waiting for crops to come and so i do sense that there's um of like a calmness of faith and a steadiness of faith um, can be very conservative bloomington normal is um, quite the family town it's uh, everyone says oh it's the best place to raise your kids and and then to have a family and with that steadiness i think can also come a little bit of complacency
0: Hmm.
1: Um, almost like it's just expected that you believe something and it's Midwest and um, not quite Bible Belt, but it it can be kind of tucked in there in terms of it's not unusual for people to be going to church. Whereas I think other places, it's almost not the norm that you go. It's like, oh, you go to church. So um, it, it is a different feel. Than from friends I have who live other places, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because my wife grew, my wife and I grew up more to the east, West okay. Virginia and Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and we've gone back before. And there's a, there is a different personality to the East Coast, especially Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There's just a different. Midwesterners want like Midwestern. Uh, Way, serve staff in a restaurant they want to talk to you about your family history mm-hmm. P- Pittsburgh I love you guys in Pittsburgh don't get me wrong but they're not not so much you know there's not that <laughs> whole let's talk about your family kind of thing um so there's a there's an innate friendliness that I think you're right it can it can create the veneer of well because you're nice right Obviously, you have some something else going on because you know you're not a degenerate Mm -hmm. yelling at me and throwing my food back at me or anything like that. Not today. Not today.
1: (laughs) Or not not at this meal.
0: (laughs) I'm feeling good today. Feeling good with this one. But so um, every place has its own has its own story, right? It has its own. I don't want to say this. It has its own folk sayings. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up in in the South, we had our folk sayings. My grandfather taught me all kinds of really interesting phrases that make no sense to anybody else, <laughs> but it, it's they're all ways of like conveying wisdom. So. Um, I always I ask people this all the time. If you had to defi- start defining wisdom, and maybe you're going to bring it out of a Bloomington mm. kind of place, mm, maybe
1: so. Um,
0: how would you start the whole discussion of defining wisdom? Where would that begin for you?
1: That's a very deep question. Um,
0: I know. See what I did there. I took yeah. it. I went shallow and then went deep <laughs> right we after go. that.
1: Well, as I think about wisdom, I'm thinking about how how you pull ideas together to process decisions or life, um, how you view maybe some issue or scenario. And with that, I see wisdom as something that is drawing on, um, almost like it's drawing on all your faculties. Um, I mean, we know scripturally fear of God is beginning of wisdom so it's like okay there's that aspect and if if God knows all things then all of that comes into play when you are making a decision so fearing God and knowing that God's the one who will help you to have wisdom that you need but out of that I think we learn so much from all different aspects of life Um, it's almost like drawing on all of the facets so that you aren't um, maybe making decisions with blinders on. Um, So often it's easy to get stuck into um, a a bubble, I guess is a good word, where everything you know is within this bubble. And when you aren't aware of knowledge or insight or um, application from other areas of life, you aren't going to be able to make a full, wise choice or wise decision. And so knowing more, I think you are able to make better decisions or understand things or discern things. And to me, that lines back up with Scripture, because if God is the one who knows all things about all subjects, wouldn't we want to know more yeah. about all these things so that we can make better decisions and understand life better. So I guess I'm seeing it as um, the beginning of wisdom is knowing that you don't know all things and yeah. you probably need to look beyond your little bubble from what you do know and maybe ask more questions and be able to um, go beyond what your current knowledge base is to figure out what would be the best reasoning here. Yeah. Um, wisdom to Go to people who know more than you or can give you a different perspective, give you counsel or advice. All of that comes back to being dependent upon others and upon God rather than yourself.
0: Yeah. What what I love is most people's discussions of wisdom or thoughts about wisdom is you begin in a cognitive, like you have Mm -hmm. to begin in the head Mm -hmm. because that's where you start thinking about things. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of broadening out and being able to know the different phases. And and especially when it comes to faith, that to me seems like the place that scares most people Mm. Mm -hmm. because it's the, we know in our heads, let's say, for example, you have a, you have a child that grows up in a Southern Baptist family in the Southern part of the United States. Fear of the Lord begets a certain kind of wisdom. Right. And it almost depends on what kind of Lord you're afraid of. Yeah how how do you bring together when you have wisdom being the fear of the lord is the beginning mm-hmm. but what do you do with the fact that it kind of depends on which which mm-hmm. lord we are afraid of
1: boy that is a really good question something that has been really challenging to my faith is to have good discussion and friendship and relationship with people who think very differently from me in terms of faith, um, Christian faith, but there's a broad spectrum there on yeah. Christian faith. And uh, whereas I think early on when I was um, first came to know the Lord and was new in my Christian faith, I, I sort of liked the safety of feeling like, oh, this little bubble, this little camp, I get what they're saying. I agree with what they're saying. And I'm just going to stay right there. Yeah. And that felt very good Um, I guess it felt assuring to me and uh, I think over the past few years I actually feel more confident that God is bigger than the bubble I'm in and there are other people who are in their bubbles and they're feeling good about where they are with God so it's like I don't know what to do with that what do you do with that so then asking people questions about how do you know God and and What does that mean for you to follow him and to fear him and to get those different answers? It is really challenging because do I fear God, meaning honor him, respect him, love him more or enough to know that he's bigger than what I understand, bigger than what I know, and I can trust that he has a hold of me rather than I've got to hold on the right thing of him. So therefore, I can let other people be where they are with God. And I don't need to correct them into my bubble so that I feel better about it. They can be where they are. I can be where I am. We can love each other and learn from each other and grow in that. And do I trust God enough? Do I fear him enough, meaning that he's big enough to handle all that? And that to me is where wisdom grows is when I'm when I know that God's bigger than all of this yeah. and all of these little bubbles and camps that we've made, um, it's freeing, and yet it requires in some ways more faith Yeah. because it's not defined, it's not, it's not easily um, contained into one package, and there's that mystery factor where it's like, ooh, you need a lot of faith to be able to trust God in the mystery of all the things that you don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like part of your world, part of your work is working with Christ in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of that. There's there a, is a walking of a of a line holding intention, art, creativity, the raw and most art that is, you know, most art reflects God because it, re- it reflects something raw and human. Mm-hmm. You know, people people get moved by Shawshank the Shawshank redemption right. not because it's a christian movie but because there's something in it yeah. that awakens our whole this is why the story that mm-hmm. god is telling is so compelling mm-hmm. is because of this 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 matches that in my in my estimation yeah. but in your work there i'm sure you walk that line and enter into some of those messes which is uncomfortable yeah,
1: it is <laughs> there there are messy situations there that um, even things that I think oh yes this article seems pretty good to me i I, I know where the writers <laughs> coming from I, I it's interesting it's challenging it's good and then you hit publish and then later you think huh well now we've got the comments going it's so, like you can
0: hear the pitchforks right, and the torches right. coming and
1: you think oh I didn't catch that part because again all of us read articles a little bit differently and there are things that might tweak you that don't tweak me and there are some articles that don't tweak me, so I think, yeah, that's good to go. Hit publish, and then, whew, you don't know what's coming. But, but yes, trying to figure out what's this line between um, stories and creativity that are reflecting something of God. Yeah. Um, the writer's aspect is in that. Then there's the um, what is it that Christ and pop culture as a whole is trying to accomplish, and each of us as writers on the editorial team. So there are a lot of different people who are looking at this content, and yet we all have a different perspective. And we're trying as best we can to line that up to what we're trying to accomplish at Christ Pop Culture, but then also is this the thing that is going to encourage other people in their faith to engage with the things that are going on in life, with these stories that we're seeing in all sorts of pop culture aspects. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How often do you, do you read, think, process items, information, wisdom from other traditions or other faiths?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think what's sticking here for me is how often. I, I don't know that I have a, um, let's say, a, a schedule or a ritual sure. in that.
0: What's been your experience with that?
1: I would say it has grown over the past probably two years, um, especially as it's connected back to uh, Christ and Pop Culture. We have a very vibrant members group where there are discussion threads. So if you're a member at Christ and Pop Culture, you're in this private community group as part of the perks of that. And we have a wide spectrum of people in Christian faith. Um, But what has been most surprising, I think, is... Seeing people from different denominations within Christianity communicate and and it's teaching me what those variations are because that's not something that I have been completely familiar with. Um, having not grown up in Christian faith. yeah a lot of that is new to me even now I would say in my 20s is when I really started understanding my faith but then people would mention these denominations and I'm thinking I don't even know what you're talking about like it's just so foreign to me so then to have all these people in our forum that are hitting on all the mainline denominations all the other faith backgrounds it's really good to see people interacting on these issues and to hear what they're saying and and bringing in from different backgrounds. But as far as um, faiths outside of Christianity, it's not that I've done a ton of reading on that, but I, I have friends and family who are not Christians. So Mm. in talking with them and, and I've had some great faith conversations with different friends and, and family members that is helpful to me because I'm understanding where they're coming from. And in some ways, I hope I'm also giving them insight into maybe Christianity is different than what I thought. Or hmm. I'm hoping that I'm giving them a little snapshot of a Christian who is maybe not the negative stereotype that they're seeing yeah. portrayed out in culture. Yeah. So, in that way, I think that I'm constantly interacting with people of different faiths or of no faith.
0: Right. So, right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I think, I think books come from what has been formed in a writer up to that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I am on board with Dallas Willard saying that everyone's in a process of spiritual formation Mm -hmm. just depends on which direction. Mm -hmm. And so you wrote a book called comfort detox. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are a lot of threads, I imagine, of your own life, but also of the work that you were doing that were tied together in that book. Yeah. How, did, how did the you that was being formed mm-hmm. at that point come together in that book? And, and how, did that, how do you see that coming out Ooh. and what you had to say?
1: As I worked on that book, I mean, I wrote it out of my own struggle with feeling that I was complacent in all parts of my life, not just my spiritual life. But the more I saw the complacency, I could distill it down to a root of me just wanting what is easiest and wanting my life to... Um, come easy and that everything just works out the way I want it to work out and which when is pretty
0: natural it is yeah.
1: yes but like you were saying in a spiritual formation aspect is that really what I want right I mean it may be natural and I would have to say that's I mean that's still the battle right, <laughs> I mean it's right. not like I arrived and I no longer <laughs> well you longer. wrote the book <laughs>
0: now so well, it it's supposed to be to to over and moved no. on to the next thing
1: um, but that that pull to wanting things to be easy, things to be um, just rolling along as if my life can get to some level of perfection. I, of course, you want that. You think that's gonna be what's best and yet you miss out on other things. So it's like there's this trade-off and you may want to push away things that are painful or difficult or um, things that cost you something but you aren't realizing that you are paying a cost for those things, you are losing something when you are constantly driven by, how does this benefit me the most? Because when you're constantly on that that push of making your own life whatever you want it to be, you are missing out on things like relationships, depth of relationship, um, seeing things change around you, if you're not willing to engage with the dark things of life you are also not changing those things. And so as we're called to um, participate in, in the kingdom flourishing that God would call us to do, if you're not in the trenches then you're not where God is and you're missing all of that and so there's that sense of cocooning where I don't want the hard things, so I'm just going to create my own little life. And um, anything that's going to infringe upon me, I'm going to push that back and say no. You are basically creating your own comfort and God's saying but I'm your comfort. Like yeah. I'm here for that. You don't need to set up these walls so that nothing bad gets in. God's saying life is like this. There are bad things happening. So your option is either to completely detach and create your own version of what the world is or to engage with the world as it is, which it's messy, it's broken. Yeah. And God says, oh, but I can help you in this. And I will be here for you in this. That's challenging Yeah. because it's it requires something of yeah. you and, and that spiritual formation aspect. Do I want that? Yes, I do. But could it be easier? Yeah. <laughs> I would like that easier, please. <laughs> Can
0: I have my spiritual discipline? Right, right. Less discipline. Right. <laughs> well, it seems like, um, it seems like a lot of times what, because of our lives in, at least in the West and you go to other countries, you go to Kenya or Malawi, you don't see this as much. You see it a little bit still. Um, we, we have such a high degree of comfort mm-hmm. in general. Do you feel like one of the things we're doing is trying to f- helping to facilitate discomfort in some ways? Ooh. Like to try because some in some ways you almost have to create it.
1: Yes, I, I, I think it is the willingness to enter into it. Uh, maybe not create the discomfort but it's almost like acknowledging that it is there and then are you are you wanting to admit that this is how the world really is and really this is how your life really is (laughs) are you going to embrace reality or are you going to create your own narrative of what reality is here in the West yes so much easier especially here in America so much easier to create your life and have it be fairly comfortable yeah. um, in terms of we we have work, um, meaning we then get paid, which means most of us have food, most of us have shelter, so we have these creature comforts that are in pretty steady supply. I mean, all of us have troubles here or there, and some people struggle more than others with that, but there's this sense of possibility about living in the United States I mean it's written into the foundation of our constitution this whole idea that we can pursue these things and therefore we think they will happen yeah and because of the opportunities we already have here there's a greater likelihood that we could have this life that we want something that is such a help to me is thinking if if my theology only works here then my theology is off So I need to know how other people live in other countries. And I don't mean that in a way of like, well, there's always somebody who has it harder. I mean, that's, I don't mean that because I want to grieve with people who are grieving. I don't mean it in that way. I mean, in the sense that if things work here, but it's because we have a certain level of affluence and wealth and opportunity that's just because we live here. Yeah. That's not because God has particularly blessed me or blessed the—I mean, I, yeah, I guess you can say all blessings flow from God, but how can that apply to someone who has no opportunity and no means and they're barely eating? Yeah. If that doesn't apply to them, then there's something a little bit off there, and we— I think you've got to be really careful because that kind of strays into that prosperity gospel aspect. And yeah. so much of that is because we want it to be easy and comfortable. And so then that's why we're pulled toward this prosperity gospel because it's like, well, yeah, yeah. bring it on. Bring on the blessings. This will be great.
0: It's a forgotten text, the forgotten context of Philippians 4, 13. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I've learned what it's like to be in health. I've learned to yeah. be sick, I've learned to have a ton of cash and to be completely strapped. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense if God's goodness is contingent on our wealth or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's so good. So, what's a? Obviously, there is also the um, the abuses of asceticism. So, (laughs) for for anybody who doesn't know the the words I just used, um, you know, back in the day, back in the day, as they say, (laughs) the fathers and mothers who fled into the desert to find God when the government was corrupt. Glad that hasn't happened again. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they sometimes would enter into practices that were really destructive in mm-hmm. order to affect their comfort so that they might meet God. So yeah. there's one guy who stood on top of a pole for oh, yeah. months at a time and tied himself to a you know so the just really stuff that we'd look at now and go, that's that might be some sort of neurological or psychological disorder. Mm-hmm. How do what's the wise line between discomfort and asceticism how do we how do we find that place that's healthy and constructive instead of just being discomfort for discomfort's sake
1: Ooh, yes that that is the thing and it's funny as I was writing and developing, my manuscript, and people would say, oh, what are you writing about? And I'd say, I'm writing about something I'm calling comfort addiction, and then there'd be this blank look, and kind of like, well, what in the world is that? So then I'd try to explain a little bit, and I got so many funny little confessions of, you know, yeah, I really, really like to buy $4 lattes, and I feel so bad about that. And I'm thinking, that... I mean, I appreciate that, your confession. Is it the uh, you get to start like,
0: somewhere but, principle? Yes, or it's
1: sort of like, okay, but I'm not saying stop drinking coffee. And right. I'm not saying, well, never use your air conditioning, and maybe you should just sleep on the ground. Like I, That's not what I'm meaning. Um, it's easier to go there, though, because we can think through, oh, where are the places where maybe I do a little bit of self-soothing or give myself treats? And you think, oh, maybe I do that a little bit too much. And, and yes, you can become desensitized or you have the expectation that i should be able to have these things and have nice things then you could go to the other side and say oh i'm going to strip all that away because that will make me more spiritual like if i'm if i'm not feeding my need to have these self-soothers then that will be better perhaps god will call you to that what i stress in in my book it's not so much that you are treating yourself to four dollar lattes that's the problem the problem is is that you are not seeing that God is the God of all comfort it's one thing to enjoy a four dollar latte it's another thing to think I must have that in order to feel better uh, are you going to God with your needs, or are you saying, "Oh, I need my latte, and then I need my air conditioning set at sixty-seven point five, and m- maybe in my car I also then need the seat warmers on while the air's on because I want to have that nice warm toasty feeling"? <laughs> you know, start it's just, a storm right there, the- <laughs> and so I think that you could come up with this basically a legalistic list of, oh, I'm going to do these practices so that I feel like I am gaining something spiritually, when what is it that we really want to gain? We want to know who God is. And he says he's our comforter. Do I know God is comforter? Like, when my life is crumbling around me, am I really even turning to God and knowing, oh, he promises to be this for me? How do I even engage him like that? And do I think of him like that? Or am I thinking, oh, I need all my life to work out so that I feel good about my life. And when we're so consumed by making our life comfortable, we're not engaged with God. We're not engaged with the rest of the world. Everybody has troubles and needs, but are we focused on getting our own life in order? Or are we looking outward for who is God prompting me to go and and to be a comfort, to pass on spiritual comfort to somebody else. Yeah.
0: You said legalism, and it's Mm -hmm. interesting to me because I, in teaching the Bible, I've run into people who have read that passage from Jesus that says, you know, sell all you own and give to the poor, Mm -hmm. and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then you can come and follow me. And the way you read that is so important. Um, because what you're talking about is you're talking about people being wise enough to know the difference mm. between when am I being a complete comfort h- hog? I don't, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't want to be insulting the yeah. comfort hog or to be a complete ascetic or, yeah. you know, self harming in a self harming kind of way. Yeah. And I didn't grow up reading scripture for wisdom. Mm. I think I grew up being trained on how to read it for, um, Mm-hmm. I heard someone say it this way, treating the Bible like a constitution and not like a library, Ooh. where it's really teaching us, uh-huh. you know, the, the Psalms, 85% of the, or not the Psalms, the Proverbs, 85% of the, of the time, Proverbs are dead on. But there's always that time that says, mm-hmm. no, but there are also <laughs> these situations where, you know, it may be different, which is why you have Proverbs with Job and Ecclesiastes and like, blessed is the man who follows God. However, let me tell you the story about this guy. Because sometimes that's not. So is the fault in our culture? I'm about to, I told you just now, like, let's not do either or. And then (laughs) I'm like, well, let's ask an either or. How much weight is on the fault being with our culture and how much of it is on? We've just never learned to read the Bible for anything other than. We're a hammer and we need a nail.
1: Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. And to have that, I guess, a, a broader perspective of um, what do I know of God and how does that apply in the very real things of life? Um, I, I keep coming back to this mystery aspect. God is mystery. So if we think we're going to know, oh, here are the three things I do in every scenario. Okay, what's our God then? Yeah. Is it the God of mystery or is it the God of my list? I mean, the list makes you feel more comfortable if we're going to keep using that term because it's like I know exactly what's expected of me. Check, check, check. I've done it. I'm good to go. But like you were saying, so many things in scripture, you've got to weigh those things out. What What do these things mean in conjunction with one another? Right. I think think it's easier in some ways to say I want the list. I want to know what's required of me. Absolutely. Because then you can say, "Hey, I've done these things." But then you're expecting God to then respond to you in turn, and it's almost contractual then. I've done my part, now you better do yours. Yeah. And, and
0: I've always that... felt like I'd be a better Pharisee. Because yeah. you're clear. I mean, it, at the end yep. of the day, your checklist is pretty clear.
1: It might be long, though.
0: It may be long, but at least there? you like know. Yeah, something. right. At least I know. Tomorrow <laughs> right. I will start with 600 and.
1: I'm going to try to do all of them.
0: <laughs> um, but then you have this interjection of the Spirit. Yeah. And following the Spirit of God. So, to your point, mm-hmm. you know, how, finding the difference between those two.
1: Yeah. It's tougher, but it's relational, which is. I think we've got to hold those things in balance. You had mentioned um, Jesus saying, go sell what you have. Okay, I think there are people who would say, hey, Christians, you're all being hypocrites. You haven't done it. Right. Okay, what do we do? Are we really supposed to do that? And then what does that look like? And... um, in some ways, I feel like, well, you can always find someone who is doing more than you or less than you, so you can always justify where you're at. <laughs> or yeah. you can always feel guilty about where you're at <laughs> in terms of um, following God. And, and if you just take that Scripture alone, um, I haven't sold everything I have. Yeah. And so then I think, oh, no. Does that mean I'm not right with God? Okay, well, let's look at the totality of Scripture and what is God calling us to. But someone else who has done that— do Are they looking at what my life looks like and then feeling like they are one-up on me? Yeah. Well, then that's not good. That's not helpful either. So none of this is easy. And right. definitely when I was writing my book and talking about these ideas of comfort and discipleship and formation and how do we follow God and trust Him for our comfort and not our stuff and not our life and our decisions and how we think um, – that's not an easy answer. Yeah. There's no one answer. And and so then when people aren't quite sure what I'm talking about, what I'm writing about, it's easy to go to, oh, but I still go on vacation. I'm thinking, yeah, me too. And I'm so grateful to go. Um, I think in some ways, being aware that you're not doing it all right makes you much more aware of God's grace. Yeah, Because you might be able to say, oh, but I've sold all I have. But then... There are going to be other things that come up about how about do i have anger in my heart towards someone well yeah failed there yeah. i mean you're always yeah. going to find another place where you're failing and so uh to trust that god's grace is bigger than these man-made lists that where we think we're going to feel better about where we are spiritually yeah. um, knowing his grace is um, i think of greater value and uh, helps you And, and knowing how to work through some of these things that are just hard.
0: Yeah. When did, oh gosh, we've taken so much time. When did, um, when did this comfort idea really click for you? Like when did, when did you go, oh, this is, this isn't a something I need to talk about Mm -hmm. and B this is personal, Mm -hmm. spiritual to my own, to my own soul that I need to talk about this.
1: It started off in a lighthearted sense. I think I was maybe 36, 37 and um, young. Yeah. Young, much younger than I am now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was younger and um 37s young. Right. Keep going with that. And um, I remember thinking, "Oh, I I remember thinking I've really kind of let myself go in terms of my physical fitness. So I thought, oh, I should run. But Illinois summers are rather hot and
0: steamy.
1: Yes. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll wait till fall.
0: It's compensating for more deep cold yeah. winters. then
1: you have winter. So Illinois is more like, it's either summer or winter, and that is like one day in between. Fall seems to be like one day. Yep. <laughs> so I thought, oh, it's too hot. I'll wait till fall. Well, then it was a season where it just sort of switched from hot to cold. And I thought, well, that was just too cold. I'm not going to start going out and running. I'm not going to do that. And at first I thought that was funny that I would avoid these things because it's it's just too taxing and i thought well you live in illinois you need to get the gear that you need to get outside and get some fitness so i thought that was kind of funny that i would do that but the more i pressed into that and i actually started trying to run again i felt like god used that to say hey you're dealing with it here but what about over here and what about over there and what about over there and the more that i i prayed about that and processed it, I was realizing that I do this everywhere and where it really hit hard for me was in relationships because I, I want there to be peace and I want everyone to get along and I don't like conflict. So I, re- I started to see the places where I will do anything to maintain peace, but what I was foregoing would be depth of relationship because there isn't honesty and truth there. But to start to push into that and to have a deeper relationship where there's honesty means there will be more friction. And um, I didn't want to do that. And the more I saw it playing out, it's like, oh, it's in how I live my life. It's my lifestyle. It's my relationships. It's how I think. It's my choices for work and for ministry. And everywhere I looked, I could just see that I'm just living for what's going to cost me the least, and I realized it's costing me the most. It it was just so discouraging. So there was that phase and it all came to a head um, when I was on a trip for a nonprofit I was working for and I just realized that I was in India and I realized that Women in the red light district where we were ministering would give anything to have my life where I could do anything I wanted, but I was refusing to do anything because I thought, well, I just want to keep everything real calm and easy and contained. And I realized I don't want to squander my life.
0: Yeah.
1: If they would trade for my life, would they? make sure that everything's real easy and simple when really to them it'd be like the whole world is open before them and i i felt very convicted and god used that then to put me into this work where i would hash out the ideas and and really start to look at what does this mean scripturally to trust in god versus self wow
0: yeah it's encouraging to know that Good. you went there.
1: I, I did, yeah. I feel like I'm still kind of in the middle of it, but, but I don't know that it's ever going to go Some, away. So,
0: so, even if you're still in the middle of it, those of us who are thinking about it could know someone is there. Mm-hmm. You find someone in the upside down,
1: mm-hmm. so to
0: speak. Somebody's yeah. somebody's in there that we can follow. Yeah. Thank you for talking.
1: Oh, I've loved this. Thank you for uh, inviting me. You're welcome. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. you guys enjoyed her spirit and honesty and clarity as much as I did. Uh, the idea of comfort is a complicated one uh, because I don't know if um, you're like me. Uh, it's one of those things that I really enjoy when it's around and I search after it, but I love the way that Aaron talked about that. I think it was really helpful. Um, also, if some of you who are creatives out there, you heard some of the the fun things that go on. If you're thinking about writing a book or doing a creative project, you heard about uh, some of the stuff at the beginning. That's uh, just a challenge. So I hope this was a good episode for you. If you heard something in here that you think someone, you know, would uh, needs to hear or would enjoy, please feel free to share that and talk to, uh, talk to them about it and send them a link either to the website or to iTunes or whatever. Um, Next week, have another episode coming up and in the future um the next couple of weeks we're gonna I want to put out a conversation that I've been having in my head <laughs> lately uh which you know people around me have told me that may not be the best idea uh not to put out the conversations that are in your head but about uh how we use the bible and how we talk about it and especially in light of some things that have been happening recently by the time the episode comes out you're gonna go man that's that happened a long time ago, but I think it's important because it's not just a situational—it's um, not just a situational thing. It is something that's been going on for some time, and so uh, that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. But until then, as I always say, and as I would love to say, be well, live wisely, peace, friends.